Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here of The Common Sense Show. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you're with us. You can see we have Chris Kitsy with us. And we're going to be talking about symbols of the occult. And as Chris and I were talking about before we came on, we're not trying to make enemies of anybody. Uh, we're just showing what is and what it's all about. And then you get to be the judge, and we're certainly not trying to offend anybody. Hey, before we start, I get a ton of requests for things like this coffee cup that you see me drinking from on air. And so my webmaster said, Dave, why don't we just do a merch store? We'll put a few simple things up there that people are asking for. So you can go to that's on our website, thecommonsenseshow.com. Um, you know, cause like I said, I probably get, oh, four or five emails a week asking me, where do I get this? Okay. Well, now we've made it available. Actually, it was a gift to me, uh, for, uh, from my son and wife. And, uh, we, we send it out to people who donate to the show. And so now we're going to make it available to everybody. Okay. So anyway, we need to cover some important stuff here. And this stuff really kind of frightens me as a Christian because it's so antithetical to who we are. But again, too, remember, we're supposed to hate the sin, love the sinner. So we are not trying to offend. I really want to emphasize that we have enough people making us their enemies in the world right now. But we just think that people have a right to know what these symbols are. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, this is something I know that you've been planning for some time to come on and present. I appreciate your hard work in doing it. And people, we're going to do a lot of screen share and show you the symbols. And Chris is going to tell you what it means. So, Chris, where would you like to start with this topic? Well, the first thing is to, uh, thanks for having me on, Dave. But the first thing is, you know, people have to understand that signs and symbols embody supernatural powers and signal intentions. So they're used as not only as something that has a certain amount of power, right, Mm -hmm. but that also people can use to signal intentions, which that means is that I can leave a message. If I leave something, a sign on the side of a building, it might tell you this kind of a person lives here or this kind of person has um, a presence here. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the signage is used on businesses and all these other things. And that's why you see things like the pyramid, which of course, everyone's seen the pyramid, the capstone. It's on the back of the $1 bill. And where did that come from? That's a whole nother show. What we're going to talk about tonight is the hexagram. And the hexagram is a, the word hex comes from Greek. It means six, the number six. And it's a six-pointed 
six-sided, a hexagon is a six-sided thing. The hexagon's in the middle. And, you know, most people think of it as the Star of David. And as we're going to go through and show, it had absolutely nothing to do with David. Yeah, I know. And that. it's been used by, you know, a lot of different um a lot of different religions. You know, there are examples we're going to show you from uh from Buddhism, from uh, you know, the Tao Te Ching, which is the or not Tao Te Ching, but the I Ching, which is in China, which is used for um basically divination. So in other words, telling the future. And that was used extensively in China. And that all uses the hexagram. But the main purpose, the main use of this hexagram is that it was used to conjure spirits, demons, and it was used in witchcraft and sorcery. Now, it's got other uses today, but that use is still there. So, you know, you have to ask yourself the question is, do the people who are using the symbol know what its true meaning is or not? Or maybe they've come up with a different meaning, and that's up to them. But even if they have come up with a different meaning, the, the old meaning is uh, is still there. Now, when you put a hex on somebody, this is like witchcraft, right? You are putting, you're casting a spell, putting a curse on somebody. That's what a hex is. Now, in German, the word hexa means witch. And when you go through and you look at how the witch, you know, what did, what did witches do and how did people deal with witches... They did not like witches. They did not like to have witches around. That's why witches used to be burned at the stake. So there's a whole thing about this that goes back in history and, you know, where it came from. Now, if you go back in time to, for example, the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, and this is from 1943, it reported the six-pointed star is of ancient origin according to the Rosicrucians, used in Egyptian, Hindus, that's where it's called the Shakona, Shatkona. The Chinese used it, of course, for the divination, and then the Peruvians. So it's been found literally all over the world. Now, when you go through, and what I'm going to show now, I'm going to show, I'm going to do a little quick screen share here. I'm going to show this, if I can find it here. Where did my screen go? Whiteboard. Hold on a second here. Oh, I see what's happening. This is it. Let's share this. Sorry for the delay. Okay. Now, this is a diagram of the of the hexagrams of the I Ching. Now, what's what's interesting about this is who made this diagram? Diagram was made by a German mathematician who became famous later on. His his name was Gottfried Leibniz. And the I Ching was his um his inspiration that he used to create the uh the binary number system. Now, where's the binary number system go? Where did, where was it used? Everything that uses a computer is all based yeah, on exactly, numbers. yeah. That's zeros and ones, right? Exactly. It's just zeros and ones. So it's a it's a it's a it's a duality, right? And as we all know, you know, your listeners are very up on this. 
You look at what happened with the World Trade Center. Two towers, knocked them down, replaced with one. So we've gone, we're going from an era of duality to a singularity. That's fundamentally what's, what's going on here. Now, if you look before at, you leave that point, Chris, let me ask you, when you say singularity, are you actually, are you hinting at transhumanism? Yes. Okay. I thought yep. so. And, and the AI, and I'm going to show you something here that in a second, that's going to be a little bit disturbing, but there's a couple of key points I want to make here. And so the first thing is it was used, the um, the book of changes was used, and I'm just going to scroll through this text. I know people don't care about seeing the text, but basically what it is, it's a way of of what they what the ancient Chinese believed was forecasting the will of heaven. Now, who cared about that? Well, the emperor did because he wanted to make sure that he was a good ruler, and he also wanted to make sure that he could get rid of his enemies and make a lot of money, right? That's what all rulers really like to do. They like to take care of their people, the good ones, and the rest of them just want more power and more money. Now, what happens when you when you can understand this is it is using an evil way. And the reason is because if you really believed in God, would you need to use a fortune teller? No. No, you wouldn't. Because that's actually a form of sorcery. Mm -hmm. right? Fortune telling is. Now, let's talk about it from the Chinese perspective. So this is from a book called John Falun that I mentioned before to your listeners, and this is from Master Li Hongji. He says the Chinese term juyoka, which means sorcery, is taught as knacks, incantations, and techniques. It utilizes the forms of drawing symbols, burning incense, burning papers, chanting incantations, and so on. Now, think about all the places that kind of stuff is used. Super Bowl halftime show, all the the latest, right? This This is all encompassing. It covers everything. Now, the other thing is, these are from the worldly side path practices in the Tao School. Do not cultivate life. They're low level. This is entirely devoted to fortune-telling feng shui, exercising evil spirits, healing illness. Most of these are used by the worldly side path practices. They can heal illnesses, but the methods employed are not good. Now, why is that? Well, it's because what they're doing is they are summoning a demon. And if you look, you can find things. For example, here's Wikipedia, right? And they're talking about the hexagram was and is used in practices of the occult and ceremonial magic. Now, they're talking about the six-pointed star, star of Remphan. It's called that in the Bible. Seal of Solomon. Um, You know, they call it Star of David, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. But... Basically, it's the soul of magic, astrology, and divination. And that's because what they do is they are summoning demons. So what they did, they would take a hexagram. It's two triangles interleaved. Draw it on the ground, as above, so below. Draw it on the ground. A demon would get in there. They'd draw it with salt. And the demon would be captured, and then the demon would have to do what they wanted him to do. And that's that's where some of this power comes from 
that you see the supernatural power. Now, righteous people are so far above this. They don't, it doesn't affect them one way or the other. But this is the thing that will affect a lot of other people who may not keep their thoughts righteous. They will get influenced by this, and then they fall under the spell. And that's really what the whole thing is about. Now, if you look at it, it says here, it said the six-pointed star is the chief magical diagram for special rites. That's what it's used for. Now, if you take a look at it, it was it was called, they had what was called a talisman of Saturn. Now, Saturn, as your as your listeners might know, is one of the things that was worshipped by the ancient Romans. So while they're persecuting Jesus, they're out worshipping Saturn, right? Now, Saturn, if you look at the pole of Saturn, I don't have a picture here, but you can look at look it up and look at the pole of Saturn, and it's a hexagon. Now, how would people have known that the, the pole of Saturn had a hexagon? We didn't know about it until maybe some of the space probes saw it, or maybe a telescope. But it's very recent kind of a thing. Yeah, but it's not it's not visible by the naked eye. That's what your point is. Correct. And the other thing is the um, you know this particular um, this particular worship was what was called Saturnalia. Now Saturnalia was a festival that happened right around the time of Christmas, and it was basically a drunken free for all. People could do anything. They had orgies. They had all kinds of crazy things. And uh, this was the debauchery of the Roman Empire. And it was because of this Baal worship, Saturn worship, Moloch worship, you know, sacrificing children, all these animals, all these kinds of things. Now, the Jewish Encyclopedia even says it's perhaps the oldest form of idolatry practiced by the ancients. Now, what they did was the ancient Israelites, Israelites, fell into this idolatry, and they had the image of Sikath and Chion, the star of their gods. And today they believe that Chion is Saturn, the planet Saturn. Now, what does it do? There is numerology, and I don't know, if, to let me know if you can see this, Dave. I can see it just fine. Important. This is, if you look at the, the numerology behind the hexagram, and you can see there's two triangles, one's pointing up, the other's pointing down, laid on top of each other, forms a hexagon in the middle, which is, if you look on the right side, it says six-sided polygon. There are six small triangles and six points. And that is the numerological representation of 666. That's what yeah, I wonder, that's what the six sides were for, too, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it all ties into Revelation, which called this calls for wisdom. Let the man who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Now, do we have any idea what kind of number it is? I don't I don't know about that, Dave. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who have made, you know, guesses, educated guesses. There are people who believe a lot of different things. But, you know, some people have said, well, it's the computer, it's this, it's that, it's whatever. But, you know, my my take on this is when you look at the binary number system, 
And I'm going to show you something about AI here in a second. That's where I think the beast really is. I think the beast is really inside of the AI. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. AI. And, yeah, and and it all has to do, remember, it's all binary representation, but it is really summoning the demon. And those aren't just my words. Those are, we'll, we'll show you here in a second. But the idea is that, you know, people have been, you know, upright people have been opposed to witchcraft and sorcery, cast out and killed practitioners of these dark arts, right? But see, now the problem is, is that as the world falls lower, they've all these these bad things have entered popular society, popular culture, secret societies, 
and um, religions. Now I'm going to show you some other pictures, and here's the first one. This is a um, this is a photo. Let me just move this out of the way. This is a photo of a symbol from the Masonic Lodge in Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm-hmm. I recognize right. it. Now you can see it. So it's inside of a circle. It's got a lot of other symbols. I don't know the meaning of all those other symbols. It's got the G in the middle. Some of these symbols look like runes. So to the left of the G, that looks like a rune, and down below at the 4 o'clock position, uh, and then in the other triangle there. I mean, some of these things, quite honestly, look like cattle brands. But, um, you know, we're just, you and I are from Colorado, so that's what we see. Um, But anyway, let's take a look at some of the other things. So here's a Masonic Lodge, not a Masonic Lodge. This is a building called the Level Club in New York City. It was built in the 1920s. So you can see down below on the right, there's the all-seeing eye of Providence, right? On the left, you can see the Masonic compass and square. And then up above, you can see the hexagram. And literally, there are six hexagrams on this wall. So that's, that's what's there. Now, here, if you look at the Masonic symbol... You can see it is a it is a deconstructed hexagram. Okay, so it's missing. The only thing it's missing are the two bars that go across. Otherwise, it would be a complete a complete hexagram. Now, here's another picture of inside of a Masonic lodge. I got this off of Twitter, and you can see they've got the two pillars, one on the left, one on the right, darkness to light, right? And then in the middle, you can see the the hexagram on the wall. Now, here's where it gets, um, to me, I think it gets a little frightening because this is a game called Spellbinding, which is for kids. And this is something, so so children are being conditioned to this kind of occult magic and sorcery. And they think it's normal. That's the problem. You know, you tell kids this is evil, and they don't care. And you notice what this is called. It's called a trap card. So what it's doing is it's used to trap the demon so that you can put it to use. Now, here's another picture from another, another uh, some screen captures from manga and from 2003 from some of these games. These have subsequently been replaced. They've been mm-hmm. removed from the game. But the person in Japan who was looking at this, they said, why did they take it out? Well, they said it's because they wanted to uh, do distribution overseas. The Japanese just didn't care about it. But, you know, there are people who are very sensitive about that here. And so for that reason, it's, um, you know, it's a it's a different deal. There's also... Can you back up and show that again for a second? Yes. Um it's not identical, but one thing I know from uh, one of my broadcast partners, Doug Thornton, uh, we do the Doug and Dave Intel report. He's former DHS supervisor, and he was on the border. And they're very much into Satanism. This is what he's told me. Border Patrol people have told me this, too, uh, mm-hmm. guys that work for the CBP. The yep. cartels are all into this now. Are you aware of that? Yep. No, they're, they're, you see it in their tattoos. You see it in their yeah. you know, the symbolism, the signs, the hand signs mm-hmm. they make. All of these things are, um, you know, they're they're wicked things. 
That's all you can say. So anyway, so let's keep moving here. But we've got a there's another here's one that's a, a video music video by the Deftones. And by the way, this is all on the a website that I write called uh, decode the world at dot substack dot com. And you can find it. Um, you can find it online if you want to go and look at the all the research notes. And there's a lot more detail on this. But here's a video. I don't recommend you listen to it. It's typical headbanger stuff. But these are people, you know, a lot of the music business are full of these kind of people. I know that. I know. It's it's actually really terrible. Because then what happens is when kids listen to it, it goes in through your ears and they accept the messages that are in the music. That's, That's what's so frightening about it. Because it's you know how do you how do you keep your kids away from that? You can't let them. You really almost have to keep them off the internet now. Now let's talk about AI. So this is the the company Open AI, which um, it's been in the news because they fired the CEO, then they rehired the CEO and fired the board. So you know what happens is if you look at the symbol, that symbol is a hexagram. Their, their little icon on the left. It's a hexagon in the middle. Those are sixes all around it, Six, sixes going around it. And it's it's a little softer because it's not a pointed, you know, uh, triangle like on the original hexagram. Do you think it's purposely camouflaged? Oh, yeah. Nope, this is, <clears throat> this is not an accident. They did this on, they did this, you know, there's a reason. I'm going to show you the reason. The reason is, so here's something, here's someone who commented. A Reddit user went to ChatGPT and asked about the meaning of this logo. And the ChatGPT AI said, um, he told him it was the eye of Horus. Right? That's what ChatGPT said. It's the eye of Horus. I was confused because it doesn't look like the Eye of Horus at all. Not the one you're used to looking at, but this is that's how the AI sees this is that this is a this is the Eye of Horus. Now, when you think about remember what I said about summoning demons? Well, here is Elon Musk and I'm going to play this video. And a warning to Tesla Motors CEO Elon Musk. It has nothing to do with cars. Instead, Musk warns about artificial intelligence, which he has called more dangerous than nuclear weapons. Musk spoke at a symposium at MIT. And with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. You know, you know all those stories where there's the guy with the pentagram and the holy water, and he's like, yeah, you sure you can control the demon. It doesn't work out. They take that there will be no hell nine thousand So he came right out and spilled the candy in the lobby. Yeah, you, you know, I'm going to go back to something that we've seen a couple of times, where groups of scientists. This goes back as far as ten, twelve years, and then most recently in the last six months, where groups of scientists have come out. The last ones petitioned Biden to stop the AI stuff. Uh, their objections that they make public is that they're afraid that the sentient AI will become an existential threat to humanity. I wonder, Chris, if you have any insight as to whether or not they go deeper than that, and the threat to humanity is actually satanic in origin. 
Well, this is what it is when you when you. Yeah, but the scientist, from the scientist's point of view, do you think <clears throat> they do you think they know? Well, let's start with this. A lot of scientists, a lot of scientists are not. Um, they're not religious. They're atheists, right? But there are a lot of scientists who are who are religious, you know, and they practice various religions. Some may be Christian, some may be Jewish, some may be, you know, Buddhist, whatever, right? Islam, Muslim, but they they many of them do practice religions. But what you know what Elon Musk just said there was that it's about summoning the demon. That is what the hexagram does. That's why they made it their logo for a for OpenAI, is because they know what they're doing. They know that this is what they're doing. It's like CERN. It's like what they're doing at CERN. They're opening a portal. That's that's what the symbol does. Now I don't know if if I ever showed you these, Dave. I'm, I'll I'll have to dig it up and you know maybe we can do a later show on it. There were a number of drone UFOs that were spotted in Northern California. And the markings on the side, they captured a few of these, and they figured out that what was powering these things and giving these things the anti-gravity was the sigils. The sigil is a sigil is a sign or symbol that has these powers. And just by writing these things on it, see, people do not understand the power that their thoughts have. An individual person why are they doing all of these operations to try and get people to think a certain way? Because they're harnessing the person's thoughts, and a person's thoughts can materially exist and become real and manifest in this dimension. That's what they're trying to do. That's why they're doing all these things, is because they know about your thoughts. Your thoughts are, are really important. You know, one thought can completely change the outcome. That's, that's what we say. And that is that is true. One righteous thought, it can overcome and overpower all kinds of evil, right? Because the saying is, you know, a, a demon is, you know, 10 yards high or whatever. No, demons are small compared to righteous thoughts and righteous people. They always have to be. But what they do is they trick people. And that's what I think we're seeing here is that when you look at the actual technology of the AI, it is it is literally summoning the demon by the different mathematical operations. Inside of a Unix machine, for example, which is what's running most all of these, Unix operating system, you know, a high level is to change the permissions on a file, 666. Not joking. It's 666. The highest level, which is the God mode, is 777. That's why there's seven days in the week. That's why it's the seven years for the uh, Jubilee. All these things. Seven is is an even more powerful number, but the evil doesn't use it. And the evil uses six because it wants to get something. It wants to get money, power. It wants to avoid a tribulation. So that's the whole thing here about summoning the demon. Um, in terms of other religions, so let's look at uh, the Catholics. Here's a Catholic church in, uh, this is in Florence, Italy. It's a, it's a very famous church, actually. And it's a beautiful church. And there it is right at the top on the facade. Oh, my now, gosh. This was not put on the church until the 1860s. 
they reskinned the whole building, the outside of the building, and they put that at the top in about the 1860s. Now, remember I said it's gone inside of secret societies, uh, popular culture, and religions. So this has gone into the Catholic religion a long time ago, too, about you know 150, coming up on 200 years. Now, here's another picture. This is a photo of the Pope with his hat, which is called a mitre. Yes, I see it. Right, and you can see there's four of these hexagrams right on the Pope's hat. Yeah. So when we say, I had a guest on recently uh, from the Catholic Church detailing how they've become satanic, both in ritual and practice. Yep, well, it's sad. I mean, this is, everyone can see, you know, how everything falls. And part of the reason I think that's happened is because, first of all, people don't safeguard their virtue anymore. They want free things. They want money. A lot of people just are interested in money. That's all they care about. And, um, you know, that is the downfall of, of civilization when you have something like that happening. Now, if you look, you can see it's here's here's a Buddhist one. This is from Tibetan Buddhism. Right. And there's the hexagram and there's the demon right inside. Right. Trapped. And that is, you know, the question is, who's going to use that? The word jinn, like that's where the word genie comes from. Okay. Jin. And that's an that's an Arabic term. And uh, jinn means basically genie. And that's why when you summon the genie out of the bottle, right, out of the the lamp, you rub it and you say whatever the magic spell is. You get this genie that comes out and grants you three wishes, right? Now, that's the popularization one. But, you know, people would use these things that they would use these genies and these these other uh, beings for casting spells on people. So they could damage their enemies, go kill this person, make this person have some misfortune. Make me have some positive fortune. Give me money. I want more power. I want to. Uh, I want to win this war against my enemies. Those kind of things. That's that's how it was done. Now, this is the part we're going to get to that some people can be sensitive about. And what I did for this, it took a long time for me to really go through and make sure that we had the facts right, because there's a lot of stuff floating out there that is not. It's some of it is not correct. A lot of it is just a legend. You know, it's kind of hearsay. So what I focused on are there were there's one person who was at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, Professor Gershom Sholem, and he was the foremost expert in Kabbalah. He was the he was the professor of of mystical Judaism. <laughs> So he is, he's highly respected. And basically what he said is he said, actually, the six-pointed star is not a Jewish symbol. It could not be the symbol of Judaism. It has none of the criteria that mark the nature and development of the true symbol. It does not express any idea. It does not arouse ancient associations, and it is not a shorthand representation of an entire spiritual reality. It does not remind us of anything in biblical or rabbinic Judaism. 
Indeed, until the middle of the 19th century, it did not occur to any scholar or Kabbalist to inquire into the secret of its Jewish meaning. Right? And it's not mentioned in any of the books of the devout or in all of Hasidic literature. And so it says, if it was once related to the emotions of the devout Jew, that relation was entirely founded on a sentiment of fear. So, this is this is what the expert says. Now, how did this how did this get into Judaism? Where did it come from? And this is a big lesson for all religions. And all religions right now have the same problem, which is everything, and it's true of governments, it's true of people themselves. Everything is corrupted. So <clears throat> the question right now is how bad is the corruption? Well, Here's what here's what some other people say, perhaps most ironic. This is this is from uh, Hirsch Goldberg from his book The Jewish Connection. Perhaps most ironic, the very sign of the Jew in today's world, the six pointed star of David, is not really the historic symbol of Jewry, nor was it used as a religious sign by the Israelites. It became the emblem of the Jewish people in 1897. When the Zionist conference convened by Theodore Herzl chose it as the insignia of their movement, even though each of the 12 tribes in the land of Israel had its own symbol, not one tribe used the Star of David. Now, the real question is, it's called, people call it the Star of David. Was it actually something that was used by David? Well, here's what the Jewish encyclopedia says that the six-pointed star or hexagon is not Jewish. Muslims call it the Seal of Solomon. The shield carried by King David on the battlefield was traditionally believed to be engraved with either the name of God or the menorah. And what they did, what David did, David was very righteous, by the way. What David did was he had a menorah, but the menorah was formed out of poetry, It was poetry that was written in the shape of the menorah, and it was a special poem. I'm not going to get into that here, but there's a lot of detail like this where these are people who were righteous. Now, if there are other people who are listeners and readers of yours, you know, send comments along. And, um, you know, if I've got anything wrong here, I'm the first person to correct it. But this is these are the sources that I found. Now, let's talk about the flag where this flag came from, which is used by the country of Israel now. So this is what Professor uh, Sholem said. Then the Zionists came, seeking to restore the ancient glories, or more correctly, to change the face of their people. When they chose it as a symbol for Zionism, at the, it's Basil is misspelled here, uh, Congress of 1897, the shield of David was possessed of two virtues that met the requirements of men in quest of a symbol. On the one hand, its wide diffusion during the previous century, it appeared on every synagogue, on the stationery of many charitable organizations. It was known to everybody. And on the other, it was not explicitly identified with a religious association in the consciousness of their contemporaries. This lack became its virtue. So in other words, it doesn't have anything to do with the religion, the real religion. And the symbol did not arouse memories of the past. It could be filled with hope for the future. 
And you have to think about it from the Jewish people's perspective. They've been kicked out of every place for 2,000 years, and now they're about to find, they can, they're trying to find a homeland to return to where they believe they were from. And that is, you know, in the mind, I've been to Israel, and I was on a tour with a, with a very conservative um, Jewish group, and I learned a lot. And I have a lot of respect for those people. They have a saying, I mean, literally, they said, next year in Jerusalem. That was the saying they always used to say. So, you know, this is, this is a natural reaction to all this persecution. Hope, people's hope for the future is a good thing. Now, here are some comments, and this is from people who are obviously Jewish. Here's one. Uh, this is on a blog from Israel, and it says, So the Star of David is not really an ancient Jewish symbol at all. I have never liked it and would like to see it replaced either by the menorah or by the Israelites carrying the clusters of grapes. There was a plan for a new flag by Ariel Sharon. Unfortunately, he was overcome with a stroke before anything much could happen. Makes you wonder about that, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's that's actually a lot of people in Israel think something shady happened in that whole yeah. thing, right? Now, here's another person. He says, does it really matter if it's not ancient Jewish? Not to me. It is what it is. And then here's the next person which who says, I think using a symbol that's distinctly Jewish would make a lot more sense than using one that's not and has never been. So that is the question. Now, the other thing was, um, what was the symbol that was used by King David? Well, this is it right here. It's a menorah. This is the righteous symbol. Okay. And the reason is because it symbolically guided the Israelites by the light of God. And that's the central light on the on the menorah. The menorah symbolizes the creation in seven days. Remember I said seven is a holy number? This is seven. It's not six. So this is what people can do. Now, really, the point of my whole exercise here is one good thought can change the outcome. That's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about, um, I'm going to stop the share uh, one thought, someone has a positive thought, maybe that person who's standing next to you isn't going to curse or hit somebody or do something terrible because of your positive thought. And <clears throat> there are a lot of examples in the Bible about these kind of things happening. But the main thing is that our thoughts can manifest, and when they become, when they manifest, they become real. And when they become real, what happens? It changes things. It can change for worse or for better. So the situation that everybody sees right now is, what are we going to do? What's going on? What happened with the last election? Was it rigged? Was it fair? And people are now saying, well, if we vote harder, maybe something's going to change. I don't know if anything's going to change, but I do think what I do know is that people are going to need to uh, to maintain righteousness, no matter what happens. If you have that, you are prepared. If you have that, you are on God's side. In my are, you ta- are you talking about putting on the armor of God as the Bible commands? That's it. That's what this is. It is the, that is, to me, what the armor of God is. It is righteous thoughts and righteous actions. So, you know, there are going to be situations where people are going to get into a jam, 
where, you know, you're going to have to defend family members. And we have an obligation as, you know, head of a household, as a family member, we have to do that. As citizens of the United States, we have an obligation to uphold the Constitution. That's our obligation. If we don't do it as people, who is going to do it? The military? Well, they've already demonstrated they're probably not going to do it as well as we would hope. And what about the ex-military? Well, that's where it's falling to next, is the ex-military. And there's about 16 There's about sixteen million of those people out there, right? So that's, that's what this is. So when you see these symbols, know what the symbol means, what the true meaning of the symbol is. And people might not understand it. They might be making an honest mistake. But at the end, it doesn't matter because the symbol itself has this power. And that's what I wanted people to become aware of. And it took a long time to do all this research to to really dig through everything and make sense so it could be presented in a way that virtually anyone can understand. If you have a little bit of uh, background in the Bible or in religion, obviously you're going to understand a little better than, than people who don't have that. Yeah, I understand, and, and I, you know, and I know this really goes far afield. And we can't cover everything in one show, but I can recall, and I don't remember all the details, but I have the gist of it. In New York City, and I believe it was last year, they replaced an historical figure, and I don't remember which one. Someone like either Madison Jefferson or Teddy Roosevelt, and they replaced it with the symbol of ball. Yes, it was on the courthouse building in New York. That's right. Okay. And yeah, they replayed it. It wasn't Teddy Roosevelt, although they did take his statue down too. His statue's out in front of the Museum of Natural History, right? But this who, was the statue. Did they replace? Do you recall? I think it might have been Jefferson. Yeah, because okay. you know he was Jefferson was very much in favor of the law, and you know having you know building something for that. And then they said, well, he owned slaves, and he was this kind of a terrible person. So we're mm-hmm. going to replace this, but. You know, part of what's what's happening here, um, Dave, unfortunately, is they are rewriting history, right? Yes. So this is why what I what I tell people is I say, well, make sure you have lots of printed books, right? Because see, what's going to happen is once this AI hits, the AI is going to be very powerful. I mean, the AI has already demonstrated it can go hack things, it can change things. What, what I think could happen is the AI goes and, and, you know, someone gives it some instructions and says, get rid of anything on the Internet that has this, and it'll all just disappear. It'll just be gone. And, and centralized control would be necessary. And you know what just happened when Biden ordered the FCC right. to uh, take total control of the Internet. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, but I tell you, the, my mind is racing 100 miles an hour now with this because it's so omnipresent. And, and what I wonder as a Christian, is this part of the great deception? I mean, look, it's infiltrated the Jewish religion from what you presented. Uh, we yep. have these symbols everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's scary. And you're right. One thing you said, too, that I want to respond to, because I don't want to let this kind of be a blip that gets by people. You talked about thoughts can manifest themselves. We have real-world examples of this now. And what I'm talking about is the interface between human will and thinking and the control of a jet aircraft. Yes. 
Yep. Well, they have that for jet aircraft, for computers. They've got yes. mind reading capabilities, all all these kind of things. But even though without even a machine, you can still manifest your thoughts. I mean, this is the That's power, true. Yeah. power of prayer. You know, you look at people who have, you know, what is a miracle? A miracle is an action that could only be done by God. That's a miracle. And that is when, when people pray, miracles can happen. When people re- reform themselves, that's when miracles happen again. Yeah, this is where I kind of resort to the quantum model to explain this. Because, th- you know, when we say miracle, I've often said to my former students when I was teaching, a miracle is something that science can't yet explain. And we're often limited by three-dimensional realities. And in the quantum model, if you get outside the three dimensions in the fifth dimension, you're into time and space uh, alterations. And that's where I think a lot of this ability, the power of prayer, positive thinking, I think this is where it manifests from. Yep, I agree. And it's higher level thinking. So really what's happening is where's that thought coming from? It's coming from that 5D space. It's coming from a higher level. And then it ends up manifesting down here in 3D space, right? And of course, 2D space too. But that is all, that's where it all goes. But that's what, you know, when people talk about the rapture and how is it in the future that people will, will elevate themselves, right? I mean, this is, people say, well, this is a prison planet, but other people say, no, it's a school. I like the school idea because really why we're here is because we're here to improve ourselves and help others improve. If Chris, think- I, I think it might be two sides of the same coin, though. It can be a prison planet on one hand, but it also can be educational if you flip the coin over. Well, or it feels like a prison, <laughs> but it's yeah. but it's really we're getting well, an education. Okay, let's just look at CBDC, smart cities, 15-minute cities. That's yeah. open-air concentration camp stuff. Uh, so to me, that is a prison planet, and this is what the so-called elite powers that be want to take us into. So that's why I think the prison planet's an accurate representation, but that's not the end of the story. You know, we live in a universe of duality. So you have that evil on one side, and the good is God created you to be the best you could be. Exactly. Exactly correct. So that's, you're right. I mean, it's both at the same time. But I think that, you know, my preference is to look at things more like a... um, more like a school, because I'm trying to, every day I wake up and I'm trying to improve myself. What can I do better? What did I do wrong? And this is, you know, many religions, you look at the Catholic religion, that is really something it really has, that when people actually do it, where they confess their sins, they repent, yeah, and they move forward, and they don't do it again, that is improvement. That is something that's very good. But we see... And I don't think it's confined to Catholics. We can throw in Episcopalians and a half a dozen other denominations. But the religion by the leadership has been perverted. And it's causing people to leave the denominations, but I don't think so much to turn away from the faith. I've, I've listened, I've got members in my family that were raised Catholic or Catholic Mm -hmm. and they, they won't condone the sex trafficking associated with it. Exactly. Particularly like with Catholic social services at the border, they're promoting this stuff by supporting it. Yep. And and so I've had the Episcopalians, I know, they've, they've had a problem with that. Uh, so, Chris, what I'm saying here is that, to me, one of the things of the great deception, in my opinion, 
is that it's trying to brainwash through symbolism members of a faith to try to take them off the mark and exactly. put them on the mark of the beast. Well, they're taking them down an evil path. That's what's exactly. going on. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the point. And and uh and I think it's part of Satan's grand plan for the end. And but you know, most people you know, and, and here's what bothers me, Chris. You know, I look at myself and I don't think I'm extraordinary in, in really in any way, except I have some gifts God's given me. But I'm no different in that than anybody else. But what bothers me is here I am, I come out of, the, I, I taught stat and research, um, I taught psychology and sociology. Uh, I, I look at that and I come really out of the sciences, and yet everyone's locked into that three-dimensional science background, and they fail to see what the properties are of spirituality. And uh, sorry it took me so long to get those words out, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, people are just almost numb to the fact that there's an extra reality that's behind all of this well a lot of people it's the seen and the unseen and that's right out of the bible too and that's you know there's a lot of wisdom in that book and there is um (laughs) yeah well and that's what the p that's the problem is that people need to look and they need to unlock their wisdom you know people i think are the sad thing is when i see people waiting for somebody else to do something for them no one is going to cultivate for you. You have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People say, I want God to take this this problem out of my life. Well, maybe God was the one who put that problem in your life so that you could improve. I, I totally, totally, <laughs> totally agree with that. You know, the Bible says our, our, our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities of darkness. It's the evil. Exactly. Yeah. This is what you just uh, unveiled. And see, this is really good stuff that you did tonight because you're showing people that it's our, our real enemy is not Biden in the White House, although you got to fight the enemy that's in front of you when they're in front of you. But yep. the, the real enemy is the power that's behind people like that, the evil that permeates their being and then tries to pervert everything else. And, and, and you know, the, the Bible says the, the, the devil comes to kill lie kill and destroy well look at what biden's done and 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 i'm not just picking on him i'm talking about his entire administration they you can't name one thing that that administration's done for the people they represent they've done nothing but harm the people they represent and that's the that's the lie deceive kill and destroy well you know what someone told me one time they said that someone had said to them the government of iceland this is when we had our business in iceland the government of Iceland represents the people of Iceland. And this was, I heard this 10 years ago, and I was thinking to myself, can our government say that? No. There are people in our government who are good people, and there are people in our government who do represent the people of the United States. But there are a lot of dual citizens, a lot of people who've taken blood oaths to secret societies, to the CCP, to other things, right? And, I mean, the mafia... Satanism, all these things have blood oaths, which is you pledge your life to not tell people about this whole thing. And that's what, and the CCP is you pledge your life for the party. You're giving up your life for the party. Now, no righteous way asks you to do anything like that. That's always an evil path, always. So this is the thing that we have to think about is 
how many people in in our government and in our in our system of of power that controls society are are going this way now what can we do about it right we don't believe in in violence but what can you do about it well you can have righteous thoughts that's one thing you can have you can you know some people say well you know the ex military and maybe those guys are the ones who are going to do it you know and there are a lot of people like there like that out there who when it comes time to support people who are supporting who are upholding the original constitution of the United States which is what everybody signed up for and made an oath to a lot of the people in the military those lives are for a lifetime it's not a blood oath but it's an oath right it's a vow so the question is what happens now do people go and follow the hexagram or do they follow something else and the one thing i saw when i was in peru one time there's a church that actually has a famous picture in the back and it's by the back by the door that comes in the front door when you turn around after you go in the front door there's this giant mural now why did they do this inside of a church well because most people were illiterate so the priest could read the priest was literate but he had to explain things to people and how did he do it he did it with pictures and with these paintings and this painting is very profound because on one hand is it's going down the path of evil and that's the easy way that's everything is easy everything is done for you there's plenty of food money all these kinds of things and in the end you're in the pits of hell and then the other way you're treading on thorns you're having all of this adversity and all of these problems and where do you end up you end up in heaven that's what the picture is about that's the that's the journey that we're all on which path are we going to take and every day we make choices and that's what human yeah. beings do we make choices well th- this what you're presented here to me on a personal level tells me that what i said to my audience many times and some reject it you see i'm being too dogmatic but i say to my audience often when you come down to these kinds of issues substantive moral issues you're either on team jesus or you're playing for his opponent satan there's no in between no and, and there, there there is a gravitation period where people are moving in one direction or another and not fully committed i recognize that some people are in stasis but still they're moving in one direction or the other and i don't think that there is really any true in between where you can permanently affix yourself to. And this is what our country is trying to do, Chris, in, in big numbers. They're trying to stay out of the controversy. They, they, they don't want to become too moral because they'll get chastised as being racist or this and that. And on the other side, they don't necessarily want to do the evil things they see, so they choose to stay as stuck in the middle as they can. But at the end of the day, that's a, that's a false belief. That's a fallacy. You're going to have to make a decision. And if, you, if you're on the side of Satan in this world, you have a chance to, to do okay. You'll have a problem on Judgment Day. If you're on the side of Jesus, you'll have a problem in this world, but on Judgment Day, you'll get rewarded. And that's what people don't see. Well, there's another thing that I think um, makes it difficult for people to see. And this was pointed out by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who is the famous Russian author, Nobel Prize winning author, 
um, ended up having to leave the Soviet Union. He was persecuted in the uh, in the gulags for many years. Yep. Came to the United States. And what he said was, he said, it's always between good and evil. This is not his exact words, but you can look up the quote. And he said, but there's always evil in front of us, and people don't want to eliminate the evil because they know that they have the evil inside their own heart, too. Mm-hmm. And they are not willing to cut out part of their heart. I thought that was profound. Because if you think about it, that's what it's really about. If you start with your own heart and you remove the evil, I'm not saying you have to cut your heart out like the Aztecs did, but uh, you know, and then throw the person down the stairs. But the uh, after the, after the while their heart's still beating up in the sun, so they can have you know good crops and all. That's actually another kind of. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> that's, a pagan, that's a pagan ritual, though. Uh, exactly. And, you know, what's shocking is how many of those things survived and came into, you know, the Romans, they did a real number on everything. They, you know, they were against the Christians, right? They fed them to the lions. They did all kinds of terrible things. They persecuted Christians terribly, right? But then they adopted the Christian religion, right? And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story because of the way that they adopted it, you know, and Jesus did not leave any written words behind, these were all secondhand or personed or repeated from the people who were his disciples, right? They were not his original words. They were his, they were, he didn't write them down himself is what I'm saying, right? That was not allowed. And that's also true for in, in India for Shakyamuni. In China, Lao Tzu left behind 5,000 words. That's the Tao. And that's all he was allowed to leave behind, 5,000 words. What do you mean by allowed? Where, where does the... Uh, higher, higher, higher people were, you know, who is Jesus' boss? God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are only certain things that people are allowed to know here. Otherwise, what happens, Dave, is you break the delusion. And then how is it going to be a school if everyone already knows the answers to all the tests? What are people going to learn? Right? How can you learn? So that's the challenge, and when you when you talk about that with, um, you know, from that point of view, and you look at how things have been muddled through translation, you look at how things have been muddled through intentional, you know, the Schofield Bible where they added all kinds of things in footnotes that were not originally there. Um, you know, these things start to get warped, and then people take it the wrong way someday, or maybe they look at it one way or another, and... You know, it's all depending on someone's level. Can a person have the realm of mind of someone who is of, you know, where Jesus' realm of mind was? No, I don't think any of us can. I don't think we can. All we can do is we can aspire to do that. We can try. But how can we fully understand what he was thinking? I think it's difficult. I think it's a totally different way of thinking. And you look at this, I see this with different cultures. So, for example, if you look at Atlantis, you look at the ancient culture before the flood, how did those people think? Completely different. Could we understand the way that they thought? I think it'd be very difficult. I think we can look at some of the material things that may have been left behind that, you know, are probably sitting in basements and museums and obviously removed so the public can't see it. But... They're, you know, those kinds of things 
how do we understand what they were? I remember when I was in high school, you'll like this one in Colorado. So I had this um, this anthropology class in high school. And so one time they brought out a box of like six different things. And you had to figure out what these things were. And there were some of them were easy, like, okay, here's an arrowhead, here's a, a hatchet, you know, a tomahawk or whatever. There were two quartz stones about this big, as big as my fist. We couldn't figure out what they were. So then he said, here, turn out the lights. And then he rubbed the, the quartz stones together and they glowed. That was that was really an enlightening thing for me. When I saw that, I thought, oh, how are we ever going to decode and understand and read what these people were thinking? I, I don't know. Maybe we can stumble onto it. But there's a lot of mysteries out there. And, you know, religion, that's what religion is full of, is mystery, right? And that's what people are enlightening to. Every day, someone's trying to enlighten to something about that. And a lot of times, you just stumble into it. You don't, it's like, how did someone figure out that if you rub those two rocks together and it was dark, that they would glow? Someone figured it out. How did people figure out how to cure olives? How did all these different kinds of things, you know? And I think what happened is some of it was, People are between this world and the other world. Mm-hmm. And it's like Edison, you know, that's when they when he held the ball in his hand and he fell asleep. Right when he fell asleep, his hand would release the ball, it would wake him up, and in that waking state, that's where he found inspiration. That's what it was. And that's like a secret that's been passed down from, you know, that's why Edison was so successful. He knew that secret. And I just saw that the other day, and I thought, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, yeah, you're into the twilight sleep, which is between reality and fantasy, and that's where the best imagination occurs. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. In fact, he's not the only one that's done that. How did Tesla manifest the same kind? Because I know it was different for Tesla. Well, I think Tesla came from a different planet, to be honest. That's my belief. A lot of people believe that, Chris. Yep. No, I mean, I don't think he was he was of this world. I mean, he was here, obviously, and and he was treated badly, too. <laughs> you know, it's like anyone who's good comes here and gets nailed to a cross, right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how this place is. So, um, but, you know, Tesla, I do think he was, um, I mean, first of all, he was probably the biggest genius of uh, electromagnetism and that part of physics of anyone ever in history and people are still figuring some stuff out but you know a lot of his weapons of course the government came and took a lot of that stuff uh and uh, still still holding it today 76 years later after yes yeah you're absolutely right um i have a theory about um after world war ii and in fact i actually got this from family members uh that woke me up to this years ago there was two types of physics. There was the three-dimensional Newtonian physics, and then there was hyperdimensional physics, string theory, so forth, uh, the quantum physics. The quantum physics was held back. The genie is getting out of the bottle now, so to speak. But uh, the, we went down the three-dimensional path. If I'm correct that the power of prayer and psychic ability and so forth actually stems from extra-dimensional, from outside our three-dimensional world, Maybe that's the reason the decision was made to stay with Newtonian physics 
and keep everything that Tesla did under wraps? Well, I think it's it's simpler than that. I think it's about power. And if I know something that gives me a certain power and you don't know it, I have power over you. <laughs> That's I think that it's that it's that simple. It's it's selfishness. As opposed to, you know, we could make free energy for everybody. You know, it's like what te- what Tesla tried to tried to bring free energy, right? What did JP Morgan say? I don't want to sell antennas. I want people paying me every month for gasoline, right? That's what it was. He can't make, you can't make, how can you, how much money can you make off of something that's free? (laughs) Very hard, very hard to make money. So that is what I think is the driving force is the selfishness and the money. You know, the Bible says the money is the root of all evil. And that is, there's a hundred percent truth in that. That is true. That's absolutely true. Well, this has been um, fascinating, and I think we've given people cause to be a little introspective and to be a little more aware of what uh, they're looking at and realize the the danger. Have you ever looked at the symbolism of the opposite of the hexagram to me, which would be the cross? Well, yes, and there is a lot to that, too, and it's probably a whole show. (laughs) And it's going to take – that one is going to be probably even harder to do um, and, you know, and to, the reason is, I think, because don't forget the cross has been misappropriated, just like the swastika was, Yeah, but evil, right? That's why the Satanists use the cross and turn it upside down, right? That's an upside down cross is what the Satanists use. They, you see, you know, uh, Chelsea Clinton wearing one of those upside down crosses. There's a ton of photos of her online the, of doing that. I mean, I could find tons and tons and tons of these things. But, you know, these are the, the important thing. And the same thing is true with the swastika, by the way. So Hitler appropriated it. He wanted the occult powers. And this, this, this came from a person named Guido von Liszt. And he was a person who was an expert in runes. And this is the person who gave Hitler the idea of the swastika. And that is why he picked the swastika. Now, the other thing about it is the swastika is actually a good symbol. It symbolizes Buddha attainment status, which is a, which is a god. And that is what. And when you go to Japan or China, and or Thailand and uh, or Burma, and you see a Buddha statue, a Buddha image statue, there's a swastika right in the middle of the chest. That is a Tathagata, which is the entry level Buddha. That's the, those are the ones that people are not allowed to know in this world. And that's because otherwise you'd know too much and then you would break the delusion. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Right. Now, the other thing is when you look at the cross, you know, that was, you know, where, how was that used? And the, the actual cross that they, that they crucified Christ on was more shaped like a T. There wasn't really the thing on the top. So you've got, you know, all these different things about it and the symbolism and, you know, where did it come from and how was it used and how was it corrupted? It was used, you know, the Swiss flag is a cross also, right? And you look at these things, the Templars, they used a cross also, right? Different kind of cross. Germans had a um, iron cross, Right, yeah, which was the right. highest military award. And when you look on the Nazi planes, the bombers, they all had the, the black cross marks on the wings, right, on a white background. So that's, you know, there's there's a lot to these symbols. 
And, um, you know, that's kind of what I've been, been focusing on, Dave, to be honest, is the symbolism and the signs and symbols. And these are called sigils. A sigil is a sign or symbol with supernormal powers. And the saying that, that Confucius never said, but that is attributed to him, is signs and symbols rule the world, not rules nor laws. Yeah, I, I agree with the symbols part. But let me ask you this. By showing the hexagram and describing its intricacies like you did in tonight's show, is there an energy that permeates from us looking at it? Is there is there danger to the audience, to you and I? I think if you have a righteous uh, thought, if you have a negative thought, or you think that you can use it to get power, that's very dangerous. That's when these demons will literally jump on you. And, you know, keep in mind, this was used to summon demons, right? So it's really, uh, it's really a symbol that is used to summon the demon to bring it and capture it inside of the hexagram and get the demon to do the bidding of the conjurer, the sorcerer who brought the demon into the hexagram. Now you think about the other places, CERN. I was just going to say that. Exactly. <laughs> you just took the words out of my mouth. Well, look at the logo for CERN. Yeah. 666. Yeah. Right? So when you start to understand, this is when I, all I'm trying to do is give people the tools to decode the world. That's what we're doing here. And when you have the tools and you start to see things like the OK sign, when you see someone going like this to an audience, they're casting a spell. That's 666, right? 666. That's that's what they're doing. They're casting a spell. So this is all this is all sorcery. A lot of it. Do you know if you do this in Italy, you're going to get in a fight? Yeah, well in Arab lands it means you're a real blank hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's you you can't do it in an Arab land either. So it's, you know, I think they might have gotten it from the Arabs, but they people understand it. But some things that people just don't understand. And the worst thing I think you can do is to use a word that you don't understand the meaning, because you might make a mistake and insult somebody or cause a problem. Same thing is true with these symbols. And these symbols are even more powerful than some words, right, because of what they can do. How about pentagram and pentagon? Same thing. They're used there. There again, this is another dark arts thing. So the pentagon and the pentagram, obviously the pentagon of our country is, you know, is that a good place? I don't know. Is it, why do they make it a Pentagon? Well, there was a reason. Why is Washington, D.C. laid out as a pentagram? The Masons are the ones who designed Washington, D.C. That's true. And when you look at the roadmap of Washington, D.C., there are places, there's something that forms an owl. There are places that have a pentagram, and these are all pretty well documented. You can go find them online. I'll, you know, that's actually, I could do a whole show on Washington, D.C., there's just so much of this stuff, and all the major cities are lined up the same way, Rome in particular. If you look at the Vatican, that whole place, St. Peter's Square, they've got the obelisk, right, which is which is a phallus, just like our Washington Monument in D.C., right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the symbolism. That's what this whole thing is. And all they're doing is they're trying to bring in the next age. That's what they're doing. That's why when the World Trade Center was toppled, they called the new building One World Trade Center, right? It's one world, and that's what it is. It's not It's not the world, the World Trade Center. It's one world. 
because the goal is one world of commerce, banking, religion, one religion. So what you can see right now is that what they're actually doing, they are destroying these religions. We we uh, we really need a modern day Tower of Babel. Well, they they built one actually in Basel, Switzerland. That's the headquarters of the Bank of International Settlements. If you look at that building, that's what they call it, the Tower of Basel. Yeah, but I mean it in the biblical sense and how it was originally used. Yes, well, that's they need people need to elevate, and we need to you know uh, we have a moral problem. That's the problem that the world has right now. It's not a, it's not a financial problem. It's not a political problem. It's a moral problem. And to the extent that people can fix, start by fixing themselves and maybe cut that evil part of their heart out, like Solzhenitsyn said, then we can start to improve the other things. But that's you, where it starts. Do you think Solzhenitsyn was talking about original sin? Oh, of course. No, he was a he was a very you know he saw firsthand what the Soviet Union and the people who were behind it did to Christians. They literally murdered sixty million Christians in in Russia. They murdered, then they were focused on the Christians. They then went after the Jews after that, but that was you know once once they get the people who were supporting it. Sixty percent of the people in the original communist government were Jewish. So they were, you know, part of the reason for that was because the czar had treated Jews very badly, right? They said they couldn't own land, they couldn't do this, they had to live in certain ghettos, all these kind of things. But the fact of the matter is that everyone got persecuted, and it started with the Christians. So when you look at what happened and, you know, they took the churches, and this is Putin, a lot of people are thinking, you know, he's a very good person. There are good things about Putin if he's even still alive. I mean, he may not even be the same Putin. Right? A lot of people think that, yes. I know, a lot of people think that. But the point is that, you know, the Russian Orthodox Church has been restored to some level. And, um, you know, to some level, that can improve people too. So, you know, you look at all the places around the world and all the ways that they're destroying religion, and it's being destroyed from inside. It's being destroyed the same way our government's being destroyed, our country's being destroyed, the whole world. It's an inside job. And what it is, is, and we can get to that some other time, but it's, um, you start going into the whole interdimensional demons, aliens, all these kind of things. And that is, that's a whole nother show too, which is They Live was a documentary. The movie They Live, right? Uh, 1988, yes. Yep, that's right. Wear the right sunglasses, you can see the truth. You can see the truth. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yep. I say open the Bible. It's, it provides well, better vision. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of other ways. There's a lot of ways to get the wisdom to be able to decode these things. And that is that is one of the places. And so when I talk to people who have been deep in Bible study and who have traveled to the Holy Land and traveled to many of the sites, who've really become scholars uh, of this, they have they immediately understand the things that you and I talk about, Dave, immediately. They, it's not just like some, you know, we're telling them something about psychics or this or that or whatever, and they don't believe it. And, you know, I had a psychic experience when I was a kid. My mom was, she had a friend who was psychic. 
And so she helped her find a set of keys one time. And then one time I had a bicycle stolen and my mom said, let's ask Connie. So she went and asked Connie. She said, let me sleep on it. She came back the next day and said, it's in a ditch next to a green building. So my dad and I drove around the neighborhood and we found a green apartment building and the bike was literally, as she described it, in a ditch. Wow. And that's why, I mean, I've had these kind of firsthand experiences and that's why I believe in these things and I know they're real because I've seen them. And, you know, there's a lot of things I haven't seen, but that I believe also. But, you know, for a lot of people, seeing is believing. And that's usually the first step. Well, I've, you know, things I've thought about and said that would be nice to have or do. I've manifested realities in my life, too. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You have to have that experience a few times and then get some perspective looking in hindsight to really understand what you just went through. But uh, but I, I have that. I look back. I've manifested things that occurred in my life. Exactly. Exactly. I think the other concept here that's really important is there are good people everywhere in the world, just like there are bad people. So this whole situation, when I look at the Ukraine and Russia, I know people who are Russian who are very good. I know people who are Ukrainian who are very good people. And I know some bad ones, too, on both sides. And, you know, it's you. I don't think you can say one side's better than the other. I think you have to focus on the good people. And, you know, what I always tell people, they say, well, what about the situation in Israel right now? I said, well, I support Israel and I support Palestine. I support the good people on both sides. That's who I support. Because keep in mind, you know how many Christians there are in Palestine? Do you know how many religious sites, important Christian sites, are in the Gaza? There are a lot. And there are very good people there who are Christians. And uh, we can never forget that. And, you know, and there are good people in Israel, too. I know a lot of very good people in Israel. And we just have to, I think what we have to do is we have to cut that bad part out of our hearts. That's really what it comes down Thank to. You. I think you're absolutely right. Well, this has been fascinating, Chris. T- tell people, because I, I know you're doing some things privately on this, tell people how they can follow you. Well, they can go on uh, decodetheworld.substack.com. Mm-hmm. It's all one word, D-E-C-O-D-E-T-H-E world.substack.com. And you can just go to a search engine and search for Decode the World. You'll probably find it. But that's the idea is what I'm focused on right now is the symbols. And the reason is because you can start to identify the signals that people are sending. And the idea is it's going to give you a little bit of insight about what to think about things. So now when you see a hexagram, you're going to think twice about what's the meaning. Now, it may be a perfectly innocent thing or not. That's what you have to figure out. Is it summoning the demon, like Elon Musk said about open AI and about AI? Yeah, maybe it is. But that's up to you to decide. I'm just going to show you the symbols. And just like your show, you know, Dave, you're just you're unlocking people's minds and then it's up to them what they decide to do. They make their own choices. That's exactly right. That's I mean, what's that old saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We can lead people to knowledge, but we can't make them think. And exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, sadly, thinking has gone out of style. So um, I'm hoping it will start to come back and, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention is if your readers or your viewers start collecting printed books, 
start saving files and keeping them offline. So for example, your shows, make backup copies, put them on a hard drive because you are you will then be able to appreciate them in the years to come. Because what is coming next, I think, with this whole FCC thing is we're going to start to see um, the internet passport kind of concept. And that'll be started by cyber attacks and things like this. They'll blame it on who I agree. Knows. I agree. Right. And they'll demonize whatever they want to cut out. Well, I, I know about the persecution. I got deplatformed last week from uh, YouTube, but no reason. I had no strikes, no demonetization. Just they canceled my channel with no explanation. Did you have a backup? I, I assume you did. Well, I've, I I had kind of a weak presence on Rumble. We're moving into that now full steam. And then I got my TV TV channel that we're going to be on. Um, and I got the website. And, and we got the podcast. Podcasts are doing really well. Podcasts are, and we're going to put a lot of energy into that in terms of trying to monetize it. Because I took a big hit. But, you know, I look at it this way. God's bigger than YouTube. And he took care of me before I was in YouTube. And he'll take care of me after. Exactly. You have a mission. I have a mission. And the key is that, you know, we are we are on this mission. We're going to keep going. And it doesn't matter what happens. We're not going to stop. That, that's exactly right. And that's what scares them. It, exactly. You know, when people fear death, they already died. That's that's my saying. When Shakespeare someone, Shakespeare knew that. Brave men yep. only die once. Right. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, he cowards, understood that. Cowards die many times. That's right. Yeah, and ultimately we are dealing with cowards and um, cowards that try to mask their cowardice with power, evil power, to control those who would threaten them. And we're threatening them by our very existence, by being children of the true God. That threatens them. You don't have to do anything else. doesn't matter what religion you are. It uh, doesn't matter if you're handsome or not handsome. doesn't matter. Whatever you are in the Christian faith, is their ultimate enemy. And this is why we're we're already seeing the FBI persecute Christians. I don't know if you saw this recent case where this 15-year-old put memes, sarcastic memes, up on the Internet, and the FBI came, put guns to their heads, locked them in a van, and, 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 they, and they wanted to put the whole family in prison. Now they've dev- devastated them financially because they've had to fight their way out of it legally, and now they're in financial ruin, and they're on give, send, go, and we're going to investigate that tomorrow and try to find out how to help these people. But but the FBI is doing this all the time. Sharona Bishop, I'll give you one more example. Um, it came to my attention, this lady, when she was living in Colorado, she was going around to school board meetings very peacefully, very politely, with nice demeanor, was saying, I don't want these things taught to kids. This is bad. Well, the FBI kicked in her door, pointed guns at their head, had no warrant when they came in, and she's a Christian lady, and they manhandled her teenage daughter. And she was actually in that um, video uh, movie that uh, Nash D'Souza made, Police State. And, wow. uh, and, and she was in that. In fact, she actually called me to try to get my assistance in promoting it, which we gladly did. Um, but this is the kind of thing that's going on. And all these people that are being persecuted like this by the FBI, almost all of them, they have one thing in common. They're Christians. Right. Good people always get persecuted. Well, RFK, JFK, and MLK. How's that for a trifecta? Killed them all. They killed Killed them all. all. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us, my friend. This was very insightful. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit from this. Thanks so much for coming on. Good. Glad to be here, Dave. We'll be in touch.
Okay, take care. Yep, talk to you later. Bye. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground. will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.